0: I would imagine that all of us, at some point in time in life, get discouraged. It is a part of life. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer, the passage that was read a moment ago, talked about the possibility of becoming weary and discouraged in our souls. And so discouragement is a part of life. And the question is, how do we defeat discouragement? It's one thing to be discouraged. It's another thing to stay discouraged. And so what we want to do is rise above it. And we want to strive to the best of our ability to defeat it when it comes our way. I want to begin by, first of all, saying that when discouragement comes, and there are really three things that I think we can do when faced with discouragement. Number one, we ought to pray to the Lord. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus taught that men ought to always pray and not to faint. And so here we have advice on how to deal with life and how to deal with the discouragements of life, prayer is a tremendous tool made available to those of us that belong to the body of Christ. We talk about all of our spiritual blessings, and Paul speaks of that in Ephesians chapter one, verse three. One of the great spiritual blessings that we have, of course, is prayer. A passage well known to all of us: First Peter chapter three, verse twelve. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, his ears are open unto their prayers. And so to just remember that God is there for us, God wants us to pray. As a matter of fact, Solomon said that the prayers of the upright, God takes delight in those. And so to recognize that when we come to God in prayer, we're not infringing on his time. It's not an inconvenience to him, but rather he wants us, he desires our prayers couple of things here. First, the priority of prayer. I want to say that no day is ever complete without prayer. We ought to be people that are prayerful each and every day. The Bible speaks of Daniel in the long ago. Daniel, of course, had been deported to Babylon as a young young man, about 17 years of age, and Daniel had the opportunity to rise in the courts of Babylon, and then later in the courts of the Medes and the Persians. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible speaks of Daniel praying three times to God, just as he always did. And as a matter of fact, the text says that he prayed regularly. That is, at least three times a day he spent time in prayer to Almighty God. In Psalm 55, at verse 17, the psalmist said, Evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. If prayer is not a priority in your life, it ought to be. And we talk about all of the things that we face in life, and the ups and downs and highs and lows and mountaintops and valleys. When we face those low times in life, when we're down in the valley, what do we need to do? Well, we need to pray. And So we need to make it a priority in life. There's a second thing I would call attention to in this, in this point. Not only should there be priority when it comes to prayer, but we need to be persistent in our prayer life. And the idea is that we pray regularly and often. And it may be the case that there are things that are weighing heavily upon our mind, and we can go to God as often as we like with those things. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And the idea is you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. And that's, that's really what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 18. He teaches a parable about persistence in prayer. We talk about how it ought to be a priority, how every day ought to be filled with prayer. Think about the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. When he said, pray without ceasing. And I think the idea there is that prayer is a normal, natural part of life. We do it daily, regularly. We do it persistently. There are times in life when our loads may be heavy, when we have tremendous burdens. Maybe we're down in the valley, we're discouraged. Well, what do we do? We pray to God about it. We do it, we do it often. We acknowledge that to Him. And then there's a third thing I want to share with you, and that is the purpose for our prayers. Granted, there are specific times that we go to God in prayer. There are maybe specifics that we go to Him with as it pertains to how we're living life itself. But in this case, we're talking about discouragement. And when you're down and your life is filled with doubt and discouragement, the answer is prayer. Go to God in prayer. Recognize the power of prayer. Do you remember what James said in James chapter 5 verse 16? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All he's saying is that prayer is a powerful tool at our disposal. Every child of God has the opportunity to bow in prayer to God 24/7. You don't have to set up an appointment. You don't have to worry about infringing upon the time of almighty God. You don't have to worry about whether or not you've brought this thing before his throne too many times. But rather you can go to him any time day or night with anything as often as you like. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, the writer said, "Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace." And the idea is that we come before the throne of God with an air of confidence, openness, Boldness. We come before the throne of God and we make known our request to Him. And the writer of Hebrews says that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we're discouraged and life's not going the way we think it ought to go. And There are times in life when quite frankly that's the case. Because life is not perfect. There is no perfect life. And so, when we get down and discouraged, what do we need to do? We need to pray. Sometimes, rather than pray, we worry, we fret, we're filled with anxiety. I find it interesting in looking at the life of Jesus that at his lowest point, what did he do? He prayed. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Luke chapter, well, in Luke chapter 23, the Bible talks about how Jesus, being in agony, prayed more earnestly. What we ought to do when faced with discouragement, dismay, despondency, whatever the case may be, rather than giving up or throwing up our hands and saying, you know what, I don't know what to do, pray. 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 That's what Jesus said. Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint. And so, hopefully, we'll listen to what the Lord said. Because we're talking about trying to defeat discouragement. Discouragement is a part of life, but we don't have to stay down on the mat. We don't have to stay discouraged. We don't have to live in discouragement. We can pray about it. And then there's a second thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer there talks about how we are are to persevere in the Lord. First, we pray to the Lord, and then secondly, we persevere in the Lord. We equip ourselves with endurance. First, the exhortation. The Hebrew writer said, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. And then he said, let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. Did you know that we are encouraged as God's people to persevere? Think about life. The average span of life is what, 77, 78 years? We're going to be here for a while. And so life is not necessarily a sprint, it's a marathon. We have to look at it from the long, from the long haul. We've got to understand that we're here for the long haul. And so we've got, we've got to equip ourselves so that we can persevere in down times, in times of discouragement. I said a moment ago that we are encouraged... To persevere. There is this exhortation to persevere, to run the Christian race with endurance. Two things here. First, we need to be strong. We've got to be, as Paul said, strong in the Lord and in the strength or power of His might. To recognize that life's not always going to go our way. And it's wonderful to be encouraged and to be up and to be on that mountaintop, but there are times when that's not the case. We're going to be in the valley. We're going to be discouraged. And so in light of that, we've got to develop spiritual strength. And one of the ways that we do that is spend time in the Word of God. Spend time reading about people that have faced adversity and faced difficulties. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But grow strong in our faith. And we need to add to our strength stamina. This morning before services, we were watching the Olympics. And it was amazing to watch the Olympic runners as they were running the marathon. When we began watching, they were only a couple of miles in. And these ladies were running at a clip of about five minutes or so per mile. Think about that, 26 miles and they're running five minutes at a whack. I couldn't run a mile in five minutes to save my life. I'm sure I could run a half mile in five minutes. But nonetheless, they were running five-minute miles. How do they do that? Don't you think that they have to build their muscles? They've got to build their lung capacity. They've got to develop strength. And then you add to that strength, what, stamina. And so as a result of that strength and stamina... You're able to succeed. Finish the marathon. And so, by the same token, Christianity, it's a marathon. It, it, it's going to take a lot of effort. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to equip yourself with this perseverance or endurance that the writer talks about. Now, he cites a couple of examples. Look again at chapter 12, verse 1. Some examples of perseverance. He said, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's looking back there to those people that are spoken of in chapter 11, Fay's Hall of Fame. Individuals who live by faith, and the writer says in verse 13, they died in faith. But you think about Some of the adversities and trials and difficulties, discouraging times that they no doubt must have faced. Pick up with me if you would in verse 32. We're talking about people of faith. And the fact that to be a child of God, to be a person of faith is not for the faint of heart. But rather we've got to build endurance. We've got to persevere. So verse 32 What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the aliens, or rather the armies of the aliens." He said, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. He said, they were stoned, they were sown asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Do you not think those people got discouraged from time to time? Think about all of the people that we read about in the Old Testament. And Paul said that those things that that were written before time were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. When I look back and I read about some of the difficulties and trials and discouraging situations that people faced in the past. And see how they were able to persevere and rise above these things then it encourages me. In James chapter 5 verse 11, James said, You have heard of the perseverance, some translations say patience, of Job. You think about everything that man faced in life. What was it that got him through all of that? His faith, yes. But is it not the case he had to have this persevering spirit, this enduring spirit? There's a second example. First, the saints, and then the Savior. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice, if you would, what he said. That Jesus endured the cross. So, two times, emphasis is on Endurance. And then look at verse verse 3. Consider him who endured, again speaking of Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The Hebrew writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned these words to do what? To encourage people. All he's saying is, look, it's not easy living the Christian life. It's not easy living life. And so everybody gets down. Everybody gets discouraged. Everybody becomes weary from time to time. It's a part of life. And so he's writing trying to encourage us. First, look at those great saints. You remember, do you remember back in the Old Testament the story about Elijah the prophet? How Elijah had this great battle with the prophets of Baal. Elijah was victorious on that occasion. Those prophets of Baal, they were put to death. Ahab was the king. His wife Jezebel was a very wicked lady. And so she sent word to the prophet. And she said, listen here, I'll have your head. The bottom line, she was going to take his life And the Bible says that Elijah became very discouraged, distraught, to the point of death. And so, these people that we're reading about, that we're talking about, were spiritual giants. And yet, they got discouraged just like us. So first, pray to the Lord. Secondly, persevere in the Lord. And then there's a third thing I want to call attention to, and that has to do with the presence of the Lord. Look over in chapter 13 now. In chapter 13, verse 5, the latter part of verse 5, the writer said, Speaking on behalf of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my Helper. I will not fear. And then he asked the question, what can man do to me? Let me just say first and foremost that we ought to be confident in the presence of the Lord. Listen again to what the writer said. This is God speaking. And God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't ever, ever get the idea that you're out here all alone. Don't ever think that God has abandoned you. Here you are trying to live a faithful life. You're trying to live for the Lord. You're trying to do your best. And you're facing ups and downs and highs and lows and mountaintops and valleys, and you get discouraged. And discouragement can sometimes lead to depression. And what the writer here is saying is supposed to encourage us. What he's saying is, look, you're never alone as a child of God. You remember back in Joshua chapter 1 when Moses had died and Joshua assumes the role of the leader of ancient Israel? God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Now, think about that. Here is Joshua taking the reins. And Moses had been a very successful leader. Moses was the great leader, the great lawgiver of ancient Israel. He had been responsible for leading the people out of Egyptian bondage. And he has been this great, this great victorious leader. And now the rains fall to Joshua. It's time for Joshua to step up to the plate and assume leadership. And God wanted him to know, look, you're not alone in this endeavor. And I think what God wants us to understand is we are not alone. We are never alone. We are always in the presence of God. In that same chapter, in about verse 9, God said, To Joshua in the long ago. He said do not be afraid. As a matter of fact he said be of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Nor be dismayed. He said for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now that's encouraging. To know wherever you go Joshua God is there. So what's God saying to those of us who are living in the 21st century. He's saying I'm with you wherever you go. How do I know that? Well, listen again to Hebrews chapter 13. Sometimes repetition is a great teacher. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can be confident in that. You can live every day triumphantly knowing you're not alone. But then there's a second thing. Not only can we be confident in the presence of God, but we can be comforted. By the presence of God. And you might ask the question, how how is that the case? How in the world could I be comforted in the presence of God? Well, a couple of ways. I want you to think about about some things as they relate to God. God is omniscient, isn't He? God knows everything. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is omnipotent. That is, He is all-powerful. So that means, number one, God knows your thoughts. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, There is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, he said, You know it all together. So if in my mind I'm battling discouragement, and I'm down, and I'm struggling, and I'm hurting, does God know that? Yes, he does. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 139. God knows you inside. And out. Matter of fact, God is our creator. The psalmist said, He knoweth our frame, He remembers that we're dust. Look, God knows what we face in this life. He knows we get discouraged and he knows we get down, we become despondent. And that's why he lets us know he's with us. So, first, he knows our thoughts, secondly, he knows our tears. Have you ever been so discouraged and so distraught that you shed tears? Don't you think there were people in days gone by that shed tears because of the situations that they faced in life? The answer is yes. The Bible speaks of David. As a matter of fact, David wrote many of the Psalms. And David said on one occasion, you put my tears in your bottle." So he knows our thoughts, he knows our tears, he knows our trials. Let me just give you, let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 20. Because in 2 Kings, chapter 20, it's all compacted in just a few verses, what we're talking about. In 2 Kings, chapter 20, we read about... Hezekiah Hezekiah was one of the good kings in the history of Israel listen to what it said in verse 1 in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death and Isaiah the prophet the son of Amoz went to him and said to him thus says the Lord set your house in order for you shall die and not live would you be encouraged or discouraged by that statement I don't know about you but it wouldn't be encouraging words to me The Bible says he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. It's what we would do, isn't it? We'd pray to God. And here's what he said. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I've walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, have done what was good in your sight. And the Bible says Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah the leader of my people. Now I want you to listen to what is recorded here. Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father. Now listen. I have heard your prayer. We said just a minute ago, one of the ways that we deal with discouragement. what do we do? We pray. What God said to King Hezekiah, He said, I've heard your prayer. And then He said, I have seen your tears. When we pray to God, Our mind is involved, isn't it? And so God knows what we're thinking. And then we said God knows about our tears. He knows about our trials. And so God is saying to Hezekiah, look, I've heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. And he said, surely I will heal you. Now, I understand God doesn't operate in a miraculous way today. But God is still a sovereign God, and He is on His throne. And God is mindful of His creatures. You think about it for a minute. Jesus said, A sparrow cannot fall to the ground without our Heavenly Father knowing about it. If a sparrow can't fall to the ground without God knowing about that, then don't you think He knows what I'm facing in life? that he understands when I'm discouraged and down, that he knows my thoughts, he sees my tears, he understands my trials? Sure he does. So, is there comfort in that? Yes. How? Because here's what God said. Listen again. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I have never for the life of me been able to understand How mamas and daddies can walk away from their children. I don't understand that. I think that people that do that lack natural affection, as Paul talked about. You bring something as precious as a baby into this world. Bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. And you're going to walk away from that child? And leave it in the hands of maybe a stranger, another family member, a friend. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But I'm just saying I don't understand how a mama or a daddy could walk away from a child. I can't imagine that. We are God's children. And what God is saying to us is, look, I am not walking away and leaving you. I'm not going to leave you out here on your own to fend for yourself. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. So, can we defeat discouragement? Yes, we can. Now, is it easy? No. But we can defeat it. How? Pray. Persevere. Remember the presence of God in your life. Now, in closing, it might be the case that you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. And you realize this isn't a perfect world. Your life's not perfect and you need, you need Christ in your life. I want you to know that Christ died for your sins. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the Bible tells us that if you'll obey the gospel just as they did on Pentecost Day, God will forgive every sin. That's what Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.